Lord Jesus, we invite you, Abba, Holy Spirit, we invite you. Come fill this place, come fill our hearts, come fill our minds. Help us just to focus and soak you in. Worship and praise you. We just consecrate this time to you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. He's been my fourth man in the fire, time after time. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood, and what he did for me on Calvary's more than enough I trust in God my Savior the one who will never fail he will never fail I trust in God my Savior the I try. 
accusations and I've heard the propaganda I've heard the lies they whispered to my soul that I have been forsaken and I'll always be forgotten no matter what I do it's not enough but then I it opened up the heavens reminding me of who I've always been I am your beloved you bought me with your blood and on your hand you've written out my name I am your beloved the one the Father loves mercy or any condemnation when I look into my father's eyes they don't see my sin they only see redemption this is how my heart has been defined and I can hear a voice that is
Father, we love you. We love you. We love you. And we love you because you first loved us. We love you because your love fills us and overflows through us. We love you because your spirit fills us. Your very life is in us. We love you. And we love you because we are your beloved. We are your beloved. And there's no one more worthy. There's no one more worthy of our love and our affection than you. And we soak in your love. We soak in your love. Because you know us best. And you love us most. And you don't expect anything from us. And yet you have such wonderful dreams for us. We rest in your love today. We rest in your grace today. We rest in your mercy today. Oh, we love you. Anybody got anything? You guys got anything before I start? Am I yammering? No? Rusty? No? John? No? Okay. Um, off topic, not what I'm going to talk about today. Um, isn't it wonderful how over these last weeks, we had an instance where Kay goes down. Jack has to take care of her. I call Jack and say, don't worry about it. We got it. I'll call everybody. We'll take care of it. And then Dana goes down. You know, bruised ribs, falls. Oh, yeah, no, I didn't say anything about that. That was so Kay went down, I think, on Tuesday. Dana fell on Thursday and bruised her back and bruised two ribs. And... Um, then we both go down with COVID because we went to the hospital to get x-rays on our ribs and got COVID at the hospital. How nice of them to give us that little gift. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, then the other day I'm walking out of the shed and I go down just right out of the blue. Just a cinder block that's been sitting there forever, just solid as the day is long as a step. All of a sudden it just turned and over I went. Then I'm up on the hill two days later, and I'm lifting up some logs that I had cut, and I went down again. So there's something out there that doesn't want this message 
and the things that we talked about prior to Jack and Kay, you know, um, having to take this sabbatical, <laughs> uh, not wanting it to be spoken. So we're going to speak it today. Um, but I think it's wonderful how everybody stepped up. I mean, this is the joys of the first century church. What happened, right? I mean, I call you guys up and say, can you take this? Yeah, no problem, done. You know, call Ronnie up the next week. Can you take this? Yeah, no problem, done. You know, and we continue to function. The enemy can't stop us because that's the desire of the first century church. That's what Christ intended, right? That it not circle around one person or a small group of people or an elite group of um, A-line members, and uh, if uh, the A-line members are all sick, then the B-line members take it. And, and no, no, that's not the way God intended it. That's that's not who He is. <laughs> what was that? I'm Z. Are you Z? <laughs> uh, Dragon Ball Z. No, it's my son's thing when he was little. Um, we um, don't mind me. I gotta probably have to drink a little bit more than normal just to keep my voice from cracking and coughing. Um, there's so much that is going on in the world today that could rattle us to the core and make us get very excited one way or the other. If you're looking at political things or you're looking at even supernatural things, there's things happening. We had a 5.1 earthquake this week in Oklahoma that was only a mile and a half deep. That's the equivalent of a 7.6 in California. It rocked. We've got friends that live in Beggs. And uh, his, uh, he just posted, they posted this on Facebook, so I haven't talked to him. So if you hear this, you know who you are, and I'm sorry I didn't ask for permission. Um, but they... Um, his wife's pregnant, and so she woke up when this earthquake hit because it was a 5.1. And so where they were in bags, it was probably still about a 4. You know, and it rattled everything really hard. And so she wakes him up and says, babe, there was an earthquake. He says, yeah, yeah, just don't walk so heavy on the floor. <laughs> he goes back to sleep. <laughs> Rusty doesn't think that's funny. That seems to be a, just that's the logical statement to make, right? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just waiting for the obituary to come on. That's right, yeah. But there's, so there's, there's quakings, there's shakings, there's strange places these things are happening. There's earthquakes happening all over the world in really weird places right now. Um, there's more and more coming about, out about a polar shift possibly happening. There's information being released by the government about, uh, and by the United Nations about uh, um, objects from outer space being a real issue and that we need to be cautious. I mean, how strange is that, right? Um, so there's all these things happening that could really kind of rattle us. And when we take into account what we've been talking about, which is the days of Noah, wore this shirt. He missed the boat. He's trying to find Noah. It's a T-Rex on a paddleboard for those of you who are listening. And it says something to the effect of when you overslept and can't find Noah. T-Rex on a paddleboard. Um, my wife got it for me for Christmas. So I worked for John this morning. I knew he'd get it. <laughs> um, but there's so many things that are happening and so what, what happened to me was, I was sitting there and I thought to myself, where's the practicality in this? There's got to be a practical aspect to this. And I'm not talking about a physical thing. I'm talking about a practical spiritual application so that we can actually get ourselves in a position where we're ready for the days of Noah. It's one thing to sit here and preach about it and talk about it and say this type of a being is going to come out. And, and we're probably going to get into that someplace down the line. Um, because there's a number of things we could talk about in regards to it. Um, of the types of things that we're going to see, the, the potential for things to happen. Um, but today, and I think this is, it's, it's positional. It's today I want to talk about where we are positionally with Christ and why we should not live in fear of things that are coming. Why we should not let us rattle us to the core 
Um, so I want to start out by just saying, I was hoping Ronnie was going to be here because I was going to ask him a question about him being a cattleman. Um, I was raised with mixed farmers, we call them in Canada, so that's grain and cattle. And my uncle um, is, uh, I think he still has cattle on because the boys are still doing it. Um, but my uncle Cliff is a cattleman now. It has been for the last probably close to 20 years, I think, uh, where he let go of his grain farming and just does cattle. And um, the reality is, if you ask Cliff about being a cattleman, he will tell you all kinds of cool stuff that only a cattleman would know, right? Um, you know, your profession, Laura, or your profession, Rusty, I could ask either one of you, and you'd tell me all kinds of cool stuff that, as a master mechanic, you know, or, or in your position, that you would know things that... I would have no clue and I'd find it fascinating because that's just how God built me. But if I was to say to you, Rusty, are you a mechanic? You would say yes. But is that who you are? Right. But it's crazy how for years as an industrial mechanic, as a millwright myself, people would ask me, well, who are you? What do you do? Right? It's a common question. Oh, my name is Sean. I'm an industrial mechanic. Oh, what's that? Oh, we build power plants. We build this. We build that. I built this project, that project, this project. Oh, really? Well, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Because it had a cool factor. You know? Was I the best? No. Was I good? Yes. Um, but I found myself finding my identity in my work. Not in who God made me to be. And... You can be a cattleman. And, and Ronnie would probably argue with me. I'd be interested to hear his point of view on this. But if you take away all of Ronnie's cattle, is he still a cattleman? He still has all the knowledge. He still has all the understanding. But he no longer has cattle. So is he truly a cattleman? Right? That's the difference between an earthly desire, profession, and a spiritual position. We are called specifically for a task that God has created us to do and to be. And I'm not going to speak to anybody's task or, or created ability today. That's not the intent. As a matter of fact, quite the opposite. What I really want to do at the end of this is hopefully have encouraged you enough that you'll go into the Word and say, Who am I? What am I? What's my, why, what is, what is the, what the thing I'm supposed to be doing? So in order to do that, in order to bring clarity to that, I want to look at, first of all, the societal structures we put on the church. So in the church, there's many, many things we can do. Um, and, and I'm not in any way, shape, or form trying to be detrimental to any of those positions. I'm not. Um, you know, there's positions of service, uh, which... Christ calls the greatest of all, right? Because if you're serving, you're serving the lowest, the highest, everybody, right? He puts service first. And so that, and, and what's strange though is, is that the church, even though they say they put it first, for the most part, they put it last. You know, it's not very often that you get somebody who's an usher and you say to the usher, hey, the pastor's sick, do you want to preach today? It doesn't happen very often. Trust me, I've been an usher Worse yet, I was the chair guy. Okay, I was the guy responsible for setting up chairs. That's one step down below Usher. I mean, that's your... You talk about Team Z. <laughs> right? In, in the societal structure of a, of a common modern church. Right? Um, but what does the Word say? What does the Word say about our gifts, our callings? It says some are teachers, some are prophets, some are preachers, some are apostles, some are evangelists. Those are positions. Those are not employment. They are not something to be ascertained. They're not something to be gone after. Those are positions you're born into. Christ clearly says some are. 
He doesn't say, if you work real hard, you might get to. It's not like when, when the Lord says, I desire above all things that all should prophesy. What he's saying there is, you may not be a prophet, but the gift of prophecy is yours because you are a spiritual being. So what's the difference? What's the difference between a job, between a calling, and between a gifting? I'm not going to get into the deep details of it, but the reality of it is the difference is the the difference would be in common in the common tongue. <laughs> I watched the Lord of the Rings this year or this this week, so in the common tongue, uh, the difference would be that the position of a prophet or of uh, an apostle, teacher, preacher, etc., that is your gift that you receive upon salvation. It's yours, it's who you are. So that moment when you were, when you came to the Lord and you said, Father, I give my heart to you, however you worded it, Father, I'm done being what I was doing. I can't do that anymore. I turn myself over to you. Help me, please. I recognize that you are the son of the living God, and I know you're real, and I need you in my life. When that happens, you are positionally washed. You have now been put into a new realm. God says in his word that we become a new being. We are a new being. So what is it to be a new being? One of the things that Christ did was he was baptized in water immediately. And the baptizing in water was to cleanse oneself in the Jewish tradition, to cleanse oneself from the unclean. So if a woman had um, a cycle monthly, okay, it was tradition for women to go downstream in the river and to cleanse themselves before they came back into public because it was considered unclean for them to be. And, and the cleansing would sanctify them to the effect that they could be a portion of their family's functions, but they still couldn't go out in public because they were considered unclean, right? That's why blood cleanses. So the, the, um, the process... For all the women out there, you know this. For the men, you may not. But the process of a monthly cycle is to expel dead cells. And anything dead is considered unclean and therefore must be removed, washed, and cleansed. When a sacrifice is made, that's a living thing that is then given over to the holiness of God and the blood that extrudes from that sacrifice is not considered unclean because it's done sacrificially. And of course, there's all the ritual that goes with it in the Hebraic law as well. But the reason I bring that up is because in Christ's function for us, he gave his blood as a sacrifice. He was not unclean. He was not a dead thing. That was living blood that was given for us to cleanse us, to change us, and to eternally position us into a new place. That's the function of it. We have then become a new create, creation, a new creature. Um, the creative stance of being either one of the callings, the, the evangelist, the apostle, etc., 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 is just one thing that is given to us positionally. That's a positional thing. Um, there are things that we can attain to, because you can't attain to be an apostle. You either are one or you're not. You may not know that you're one right now. You might think you're a teacher or a preacher or something else. You know, And God may not even have told you that you are one right now. What he's doing is stretching you, changing you, turning you, tempering you so that you can be, in his final aspect, exactly what you're supposed to be. Now, I'm going to get to the point where I'm going to tell you why it's so exciting 
to actually be positioned in one of those. I think what happens is a lot of people see the weight of positional aspect, in other words, of where God has put us, and it freaks them out. And they don't want any part of it. And I get it because I was there. When I first got saved, I was an evangelist. That was it. I'm an evangelist. That's it. You know why I was an evangelist? Because I hated people. Wanted nothing to do with them. I'll get them saved. I'll shove them into the church and let the pastor pastor them. But I want nothing to do with them. I got about four weeks for you and then we're done. Because I'm moving on to somebody else. Seriously. That was, my, that was my thought process. I had no understanding of what a true evangelist was. None whatsoever. But that was my thought process. Um, but you also have healings. What about the calling to being someone who prays? Right? For healings. Well, the reality is everybody is called to pray for healing. Everyone. All of us. Every last person. The laying on of hands for the driving out of demons the healing of the sick, and the raising of the dead are a call for each and every one of us. There's not one of us out there that can biblically say, oh, that's not my calling. That's a lie. It is your calling. So why don't you function in it? Most people would say, if, asked, if answered honestly, I believe, because I'm afraid I'll fail. So what? So what? We also have the prophetic, the utterance of a prophetic tongue. This isn't something that's limited to one or two people. This is something that's for everybody, right? We're not talking about the gift of tongues. That's a whole different aspect, which everybody should have. And if you don't ask me about it, I'd be happy to tell you about it. But everybody should have it. Um, the joy is that when you have a prophetic tongue, and someone has an utterance or an interpretation for that tongue, you work in an evangel evangelic realm, uh, which again is a universal attribute that is given to us when we are saved. So what does that mean? What does it mean to be, what does it mean to be somebody who, okay, I got saved, and you're telling me I can pray for the sick, I can pray for the demon-possessed, I can pray for the dead, and it's all going to rectify itself. What does that mean? It means exactly what it says. We put too much meaning into things. We try and sweat out the tiny things, try to figure out how to do it, the ABCs of, the, the one, two, threes of, if you just do this, if it didn't work, it's probably because you have this in your life, and maybe you need to take care of it, and blah, 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 blah. No. No. What I really encourage people to do is start, and, and I think this is where it comes down to. It comes down to this. One of the reasons why we don't know what to do is we're waiting for somebody to tell us. It's one of the reasons why I'm not going to go there today. I'm not going to say, if you think you're an evangelist, we can get you this chart test and we can run you through the numbers. And listen, there's nothing wrong with those. They actually work really well, a lot of them you know, understanding who you are and what your position is with Christ and understand. I've, I've done them and, and they're not all bad. But the reality is that's not what God called us to do. The reality is he called us to not have a priest. I'll let that sink in for a second. He called us to not have a priest. I am not anybody's priest. Jack is not anybody's priest. Kay, Laura, Rusty, John, none of us are anybody's priest. We have one priest, Jesus Christ. And he has one father. And because of our priest's sacrifice, we have access to the father. Which means our joy is to go to the father and say, Lord, what's your will for me? And again, people have a tendency to think, what if I'm wrong? What if he tells me something I don't want to hear? What if he tells me something I don't want to know? What if he finds out something about me that I'm doing? 
right? These are all the things that run through our minds because the enemy always has the same stupid tricks that he pulls on everybody. And the reality is none of those things come into play 98% of the time. 98% of the time, the Lord just says, I love you so much. Here's what I want you to do today. That's it. And you do it. And sometimes it's an amazing thing, and sometimes it's just a little wonderful day. But when you're doing what the Lord calls you to do, you're exactly where you need to be. So the practical side. Get over the fear. If I'm going to give any steps, I would say the first one is get over the fear. Just set it aside. It's not real. There's that old adage, false evidence appearing real. It's very true. Just get over it. Just walk away from it. Get over it. Don't accept what everybody else puts on you as your gifting and calling. Right, Rusty? Just because I say you should be a preacher doesn't mean you're a preacher. Like, seriously. But, but if the Lord's saying it to you, then you should stretch your legs. That, that's the difference, right? Like, it comes down to, I can say something to my children, you know, and as children, they should listen to me and do as Dad says. But I can say something to my children who now are in their 30s, and really, it's just a suggestion. They need to sort out for themselves what they need to do and how they're going to get from point A to point B in order to do that. Well, that's the difference between walking with God in a church where you have a priest and walking with God. Period. Find a way. Spend time with the Lord. I used to worry about not hearing the voice of God correctly. And I heard the voice of the Lord incorrectly many, 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 many times. Most of the time I had people around me that would correct me in love. Sometimes I didn't. I learned to deal with both aspects of it. You just learn to deal with it. It's not the end of the world. It really isn't. And one of the things we found here is this is, I hate this, I hate, hate, hate this phrase, but this building is a safe place. <laughs> Our people are safe people. You can make mistakes here, it's all good. Right? So what does this mean? This means this. If we have demons showing up physically in places, and we have to deal with them, we don't have to be afraid of it. We can deal with it. If we have spiritual entities showing up in places, if we have physical beings that no one has ever seen before all of a sudden appearing, whether they be giants or whether there be other things, and I know this is going to sound really strange to a lot of people out there, but we'll get into it later. Those realities are coming because as in the days of Noah, if we're walking and functioning in our callings, in the things that God has positioned us to be, from the moment we were born again. One of the great lies that's being told right now, and this was one of the things, just one of the things that sparked this whole train of thought for me. What is the transgender movement? I have a very good friend she has been gay since she was, who knows when. She'd probably tell you now she was born that way because she's actually a professor of sexual studies at the University of British Columbia. And uh, she hears this. Hi, Lucy. Because <laughs> God has a way of having people hear things. Um, she is an amazing person. She came out to me when she was 12 years old. She doesn't even remember coming out to me. We were both sitting at the principal's office for different reasons. I was there for one reason, and Lucy, my best friend, got called to the principal's office because her mom had just passed away from cancer. And she came out after being told and bawled on my shoulder and then told me who she was. Lucy would tell me, as the years went on, we would talk now and again, and she would tell me, you know, we're, we're not out to change the world. We're not, to, not out to make this a, a deviant place, in your words, Sean. We're not. I said, I know that. I said, for the most part, people who live a gay life are just living a gay life. 
That's their choice. And you know what? So be it. All sin is sin. It doesn't matter whether it's stealing a candy bar or living a sexually sexual life that God doesn't agree to. It doesn't matter. All sin is sin. God will sort it out when God sorts it out. But one of the things she told me was, she said, the one thing we have issue with is transgenderism. And the homosexual community as a whole does. This was then. This was in the 90s. Okay? In the early 2000s again when I talked to her. That is not the point of view now. So why did it change? What's happened? There is a thing called a Hegelian dialect. And a Hegelian dialect basically is the, the process of a Hegelian dialect is to present uh, falsities as being truth, not give you the truth, and then make you choose one of those falsities as being a truth, and then living with it. It's a method of fascism, socialism. Um, it's a way of manipulating people's mindsets. And one of the things that is going on with transgenderism is it's to challenge who we are. It's to question the very foundation of who we are. This is why it's so dangerous for children. It's setting in their mindset in a developmental point in their life the question as to, well, who am I really? I'm not a boy. I'm not a girl. Am I Bob? Am I Bobby? I don't mean that facetiously. That's what people are going through. Who am I? Well, if you don't know who you are, and if there's no quantifiable decision as to who you are, because you can change at any time, because you can be pansexual, transsexual, bisexual, and all the other sexuals that are out there, and there's many of them, let me tell you. Um, again, I'm not speaking against this. What I'm saying is, and the reason I'm saying I'm not speaking against it is not because I'm not willing to take a stand. I'm not speaking against it because judgment of sin is not mine, it's his. Our job is to love people and to bring them in and let God deal with it. Let the Lord deal with it. And when I say that, I really mean it. Not like most people do, where they say, oh yeah, we'll just let the Lord deal with it. You should really change what you're wearing. That's not really appropriate. Right? Let God deal with it. He will. He will. He loves them more than we do. So, Again, the challenge for us and what they're trying to do is they're trying to rattle the way we think. For those of us who are older and we know the reality of I am a boy, I am a girl, whatever the case. Um, what it's doing though is it's causing us to shut our mouths and not say anything because we're afraid there might be repercussions. This is what the enemy would do to the kingdom. He does not want you to be able to identify with who God made you to be. He wants to mess it up. He does not want you to be an evangelist. He doesn't want you to be a prophet or a prophetess. He doesn't want you to walk in the function of healing. He doesn't want you to raise the dead. He doesn't want you to do any of those things. And we can calmly sit by and let it all slide away. But here's what we miss out on. The joy. The joy and fulfillment of the day when Christ says, if you will humble yourself and wait, in due time, I will raise you up. So what is it to be raised up? He's not talking about putting you on TV. or He's saying there will come a day when what I've been telling you will have relevance and you'll have a place that you can share the relevance that I've given to you. And I'm not talking about just teaching. I'm talking about all of the positional things. So keep in mind, there are things that we have been given from the minute we were born again, when we were washed in the blood, when that sacrificial cleansing of the blood was given to us, and we became a born-again creation, you have the authority to say... Get out in the name of Jesus, and it has to go. You have the authority to say, get up in the name of Jesus, and they have to rise. They do. Period. You have the authority to say, death be gone. You have no place over this young man. 
get off of him. Spirit of death, you leave now in Jesus' name. And watch the manifestation of life come back into an individual. And I have been blessed to be able to experience all of those things. I don't see it as a point of pride. It's just a matter of reality. And let me tell you something. The thrill, the life that comes coursing into you, not because you've been successful in doing something or you've attained something, but because... You're where God created you to be. You're functioning fully as a new being. The reality of who Christ made you to be all of a sudden comes spilling over into the world. And you walk away with this unbelievable joy because you're everything God created you to be. Everything. I know people, I know people in Oklahoma here, who their calling is to teach others to hunt. That's their calling. And let me tell you something, it's an amazing calling. They share the gospel, they take people out, teach them how to hunt, they get people saved while they're hunting, they baptize people on hunting trips, Right? But the calling is to take people out and hunt because God created this man to be an amazing hunter. And I'm talking amazing. I won't mention his name because a lot of you know him and he does live in Oklahoma and I'll just leave it at that. But amazing, okay? Um, and he's used it. Youth have gotten saved. Old people have gotten saved. Like, as, as I would say to him, stubborn old farts have given their life to the Lord because all of a sudden they were just impacted by the love of Christ in the midst of this hunting environment, right? So there's all kinds of crazy things that God will move you into. You, you might be moved into the position of a teacher and yet never teach in a church. Who cares? As long as you're doing exactly what God called you to do. I first started to understand that I was a teacher because I would start teaching apprentices how to be a millwright. And I would have foremen come to me and say, I got an apprentice who needs to know this. Would you be able to show them? And I didn't understand what they were doing, but they knew that I could get it across to them. Not because I had any great personal gift. It was the teaching. It was the gifting that God had called me to have in my life. And so I was able to pass that through my profession you will live in the fulfillment of everything God has for you. You will be excited about Christ. I'm going to leave it with this. Have you ever seen someone who has just gotten saved and they're thrilled with their new salvation, right? I mean, they're charged up. They're stoked about being saved. And then you see that same person six months later and they're still charged up about being saved. And then you see them six years later, and they're still saved. And you see them a few years after that, and they're saved. <sighs> That's not how God created us to be. We're supposed to be stoked from the minute we got saved to the minute we go on to the next life. That's who God created us to be. And the reason we're not is we've fallen into the lie of the priesthood instead of the truth of having direct communication with our high priest and his father. So don't be afraid to hear God's voice. Don't be afraid to move in the things that you desire to move in. And be excited to grow. If anything... I would say to you, that is probably the foremost thing. Don't grab onto the first thing God gives you and say, this is the box I'm going to be in for the remainder of my existence with him. Grab onto that box. Be there with everything you got. Love it for every second that it's part and parcel of your life. And when the Lord says, okay, now I want you to take that and apply it to this, and he changes it, let him change it. Because he's just taking you into the fullness of who you are and what you are. 
That's what I had to say for today. Anybody else got anything? Because I yammered a lot today. I apologize. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the blessing that you've been to us. God, I ask you to reach out to each individual, those that are here and those that aren't here. God, to Jack and Kay, to Ronnie and Mike and, and everybody else, to Dana. Lord, I would ask for your blessings to be upon them. Keep them safe. Keep them sound. Follow the plans of the enemy. Give them an understanding of today. We pray this in Jesus' name. You want to do our benediction? Okay. Because we haven't for a while. Um, do you want to do prayer on the phone this week? Do you want to come here and do prayer? You've got a key, don't you? Because I can let Ronnie know. I think it's important that we continue with prayer if we can. Did you, did you come this week? Were you the only one? Oh, good for you. Look at you. <laughs> I almost called you because I didn't know if you were if you were coming or not. So, oh, okay. Yeah, do it then. Yeah, we'll just let this go until Jack and Kay get back. Yeah, that's all good. Good. I'll just pray by myself. I'll text you if there's anything important. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> all right, here we go. As we've given back to the Lord a portion of what he has given us, we declare that he teaches us to profit and leads us in the way we should go. The Lord gives us power to make wealth and supplies all our needs according to his riches and glory. We bless Israel and we pay for the peace of Jerusalem. As he blesses us, his way becomes known on the earth and his salvation among all nations. Lord, we're believing you for jobs and better jobs raises and bonuses, debts paid off and a transfer of wealth, prosperous businesses, our vats filled with oil and our coffers with gold, expenses decreased, blessings increased, earth invaded, signs, wonders and miracles, and angelic visitations. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we thank you for more than enough so we can give into your kingdom, co-labor with heaven, see Jesus get his full reward. Amen. Hear the bells ringing, they're singing, Christ is risen from the dead.